For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade and I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Gentlemen, how are you doing this morning? Doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I'm doing great, thank you. Jake, how are you? I'm doing great, Jeff. We're, uh, we're just kind of uh, excited about what's coming down the pike here. Yeah, well, I tell you what's coming down the pike right now is Memorial Day. We're, I'm in particularly a good mood this weekend because Memorial Day is finally here. The unofficial kickoff is summer, so, you know, I'm waiting for some good news here because I'm not finding it when I drive around and look at these gasoline prices. And I'm just a little naive, gentlemen. I always sort of look at the glass half full. I thought, well, maybe we're at the top of this gasoline stuff and we'll go back down. But far from the truth, isn't it? Yeah, Jeff, I would say that we're still a ways away from seeing any relief here. You know, one of the things that I saw on Tuesday morning as I was watching CNBC this past week was uh, we had Ted Cruz on there and he was saying, yep, you know, all the things this administration has done as they promised they would do has driven fuel prices to double. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Randy, I think that I think you're right. And I also think that a lot of our listeners probably are they drive gas vehicles, but we probably have quite a few diesel users as well, either right. in their truck or their tractors and things like that. And diesel here is now solidly above of $5 a gallon, which for us here in the last bastion of sanity is a, is a pretty big number. Yeah, and you know, usually diesel is quite a bit more expensive than regular gasoline, but I'm seeing them uh, creep pretty close together. So I guess we're certainly not out of the woods yet. And I saw an earnings report here. What was it last week? It was uh, Walmart, maybe one of the other discount retailers too. They put out their earnings report and their earnings are down considerably as a result of, well, I guess this economy. And that indicates one thing, I think, and that's where we're headed, right? Yeah, I think you know you pointed out one of them. Walmart was one of them, but uh, pretty much every retailer out there, with few exceptions, what they're seeing is is that they are having trouble raising prices fast enough. Mm-hmm. So the cost is going up faster than they can account for. And so what's happening is just eating into their profit margin. They're just eating right. the extra cost right now. That will not continue. And right now, consumers are being sheltered from more inflation. You know, we already think it's high, but really what's happening is Walmart and the like are shielding us from another 5 or 6% inflation that we've yet to experience. And along that same line, Jake and Jeff, I think the other thing that's happening is I remember when we had a little country store when I was growing up. I was a sophomore in high school when we, a freshman, sophomore, and junior when we had it. And basically, we would go to Springfield and we would buy, you know, bailing wire and we'd buy bailing twine and we would buy black leg vaccine and all that sort of thing. We'd come back down or maybe gates and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that or barbed wire and we'd bring it down, we'd mark it up and we'd sell it. And the next time we went back to Springfield to buy it again a couple of weeks later, it was higher and actually it ate into our profits. It was to the point to where every time we'd go back and buy something new, it was 20, 30 percent more. It's what we were seeing and we couldn't make any money. And that's what's happening to Walmart and these guys. They're raising prices. But as the supply chain continues to go up, 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 they can't raise fast enough. And so they got caught behind the eight ball. Now, on the other side of this, and there will be another side to this, 
that will reverse a little bit. So uh, all is not lost. I mean, we got some pain now and some more pain to go through, but I'm here to tell you that uh, we will get through this, and on the other side is going to be a wonderful season. Yeah, and as you said, I mean, I, I love your country terms, but as you said, there's some tall cotton on the other side of what's going on right now. <laughs> I was also looking at uh, home interest rates. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, gentlemen, we were at 3%. Five, five and a half, I mean, 5.9 is pretty common today. I understand that by the end of the year, we could be seeing maybe 7, 8%. What do you think? I think what's really remarkable about that, Jeff, is the people that are saying that, which I which I actually agree we could see, I don't know about eight, but we could definitely see seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the people that are saying that are saying it like it's not a big deal, like the market can just absorb it. Right. I mean, imagine if your house payment doubled overnight. Oh, yeah. That's what people are going to experience when they go from a 3% mortgage, they go to buy a house at 7%. It's going to be well over double the payment even for the same price house. So people are not going to move. They are not going to churn housing, and that is going to have an effect. So what does all this mean in terms of the average consumer out there who is trying to put food on the table, keep a roof over their head? I mean, as you said, there's tall cotton on the other side, but, you know, the other side can't come soon enough. And as I've said, and we've said so many times every other week in this show, nobody has a crystal ball. But in your best guesstimate, when do you think that we're going to be seeing some relief from all this? So a couple things I would say about that is, you know, it's going to be at least a year, and it may be more than that. So I think what's important here, again, and we've talked about this many times on the show, Jeff, that the stock market is always kind of trying to predict the future and look forward based on what's happening and where things are going. And the economy is still oblivious to the fact that, okay, everything's still raising, that we've got short supply on things. According to all of the major banks across the country, people still have a lot of cash in their accounts, even though credit levels are way up right now. But as the economy is still soaring and moving upward, uh, we're seeing the market is predicting the future right now as we speak as to what's coming. And so uh, the stock market will turn around before the economy bottoms is the thing to remember. And so it's important that you are ready. So that's why it's more important today right now than ever to have a good retirement plan under understand what you're withdrawing from your account, how much, how it affects it, and how this uh, recession and this downturn is really going to affect you long term. And I think that the important thing here too, Jeff, is exactly what you said. We get that question a lot from clients like, well, when, when is this going to be over? And the answer is, we don't know. Right. And, and I'm going to say that again, we don't know and nobody knows. And if they claim that they do know, and they, even if they get it right, they're just lucky. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't know. And so that's why the plan is important. You need the plan that works no matter what happens. And so that way you have the peace of mind and, and you can you can relax at home and know that you're not going to have to go back to work once you retire and things like that. If you have the plan in place ahead of time, then we don't have to panic when this kind of stuff starts to happen. Gentlemen, for those people who have been your clients and they do have a plan, how are they dealing with what's going on right now versus those people who are coming in right now who say, Randy and Jake, I don't have a plan, but I, but I need one really, really quickly. How are the people who already have a plan dealing with this? Is it as, as upsetting? You know, I think that uh, that's a really good question. And no, we're not having a lot of panic throughout the ranks here of our clients. We have a few people that have called. I've had a couple of people says, hey, you know, I'm really scared. I talked to them a little bit and, and I had a couple of them say, move me to cash. But other than that, you know, we, they're letting us run the plan as we set forth in the beginning. And one of the things that's really interesting for me always is, 
you know, when we set up these plans in the beginning, we look down the road and we try to look at, okay, what happens in an up market? What happens in a down market? How do we store up some additional nuts for those down markets? And how are our withdrawals going to affect that? And so we're always kind of looking back over our shoulder, or I am, and I'm saying, okay, you know, the original spreadsheet we set up for these people, how are we doing in comparison to that? And I got to tell you, in most cases, we're equal to or better than. And right now, you know, we're seeing that uh, even through the middle of this pandemic and all this downturn and recession, a lot of the folks that retired, especially prior to COVID, but even during COVID, they're still ahead of where they started. And things are really working well for them. I think one thing that comes to mind, Jeff, as we sat with a with a, one of our current clients, one of our favorite clients this week, even this past week, and um, we talked to him and said, "Hey, here's what we think is happening, and you know, we don't want you to be afraid. We're going to use this volatility to our advantage." He said, "I'm not afraid." He's like, "I know, I know, we have the plan, mm-hmm. and I know you guys are watching it, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried." I know that the plans that you design are designed to withstand, uh, you know, small financial storms, even moderate financial storms. But do the plans that you design, are they built to withstand something as extreme as a recession? Absolutely. So let's think about it just for a minute. So if we look back over our shoulder, and this is probably something that needs to be talked about more. When we look back at all the bear markets in history, you know, if we look back over the last 50 plus years, there's only been one bear market that lasted three years. And that was 2000, 2001, and 2002. Mm -hmm. Most of the rest of them are a year to 18 months is what they last. And so we just have to realize and we have to think about when we plan, okay, how much of this can we stand? Now, obviously, if we have one of those major downturns of 50%, you know, if you got all your money hanging out there in the S&P 500 and that's all you've got and you're just letting it fall and fall and fall and you're spending your 5 or 6% out of there, it can get really scary for people. So we need to be sure and we always do do here. We have a plan that's number one, going to mitigate that damage at least 50%. And then we're going to manage actively and tactically manage the stock portfolio side of that to help mitigate risk even more. Randy, for those people who do not have a plan and they still have a lot of money in the market and they're uh, heading to uh, cash because they think that is the right thing to do. You know, I I heard uh, one person in the media say that cash is trash. How do you respond to that? (laughs) Well, you know, realistically, cash is trash in most cases, especially when the stock market is going up. And when you have high inflation, people say, hey, I'm losing my backside to this inflation. And you know what? We all are. That is something that nobody's going to be able to really escape. But here's here's what I will say about that. (laughs) Equities right now could be worse than trash. They could be uh, nuclear waste if you're not in the right Right, thing right right now. Well, I think also that as much as the inflation hurts right now, you can mark my words that 12, 18 months from now, we're going to see it much, much lower. Hmm. There's too much deflationary pressure on the macro level. And people are going to listen to that and say, man, you're crazy. I'm telling you, I'm not crazy. This is, this is once the supply chain part of this gets worked out, we're going to be struggling to have any inflation at all again, just like we were three or four years ago. And I'm just saying, inflation is not here to stay, I guess is all I would say. And people need to not panic about that. It's going to hurt for a little bit, but it is not here to stay. You're listening to Randy Jacob Floyd Financial Group. My name's Jeff Shade, and we've been talking about current market conditions and the importance of having a retirement plan or just a plan of uh, any sort that'll get you through these rough times. 
Speaking of which, for our uh, listeners this week and every week, Randy and Jake are offering a complimentary consultation that could lead to a retirement roadmap, a plan, if you will. If you would like to take advantage of this opportunity, again, it isn't going to cost you anything. It is an opportunity to sit down right in front of Randy and Jake, ask your particular questions, and get the answers that will make you feel a lot better about going into retirement. To get your plan, call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. Now, if you can't remember that number, you can also go to the website floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com, and uh, there is an opportunity opportunity on the website for you to contact Floyd Financial Group and have Ashley put you on the calendar for Randy and Jake or both and sit down and ask your questions and get your retirement plan. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We hope you have a safe one and thank you so much for making us part of your weekend. This is Show Me the Money. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about, hey, Jeff, does my uh, income increase with inflation? That's a good question. I was going to ask you that last uh, segment, gentlemen, but I figured we would wait until this one. But that is a very good question. I would think that if prices go up 10%, that if your paycheck went up 10%, you have the same buying power. But I'm not necessarily seeing that. So I want to dive into that a little bit, the different sources of income that you have through retirement and talk about about how those may keep up with inflation. Let's start with a basic one, uh, gentlemen, and that is Social Security. Can Social Security keep up with inflation? Well, here's what we know. You know, most people's income, Social Security is going to play probably 35 to 50 percent of their total income. So, yes, maybe we get a cost of living adjustment that what they're going to say is tied to the consumer price index. But we know that the consumer price index is a manipulated index. So it's probably not going to keep up with real inflation because they throw out some of the all important things like, you know, fuel and food. and things of that nature (laughs) to see what that that number is. And I'm like, hmm, those are two things that we almost have to have today. You know, so I don't think Social Security, while you're going to get a raise if inflation is there, we got a pretty good one last year, around 6.2, I think it was. It's not going to be enough to help people keep up with inflation. However, most people have other sources. Some people are fortunate enough to have a pension, and some pensions will have a COLA on them, and some are not. Some are fixed, and once you take that thing, it is what it is. So if people do have a COLA on their pension, I would say that they are among the extremely blessed in today's world, for sure. The other thing is, you know, if you've got investments, you know, there might be some people out there, some uh, bold financial advisors that would say, oh, yeah, we can keep pace with inflation. Let me just tell you something. Nobody can keep pace with 10% inflation. And most people hearing 10% would say, Randy, I think that's mild. Yeah, I think that's a little bit low. I mean, I'm seeing gasoline prices up 40%. And, you know, some items that I buy in the supermarket are up much more than that. But when you talk about Social Security, as you said, the COLA about 6% this past year, I've heard that it could be as much as, what, 8 in the coming year? Yeah, that could be. I mean, we just will have to see how it shakes out toward the end of the year and, you know, see what they do. I think also maybe the real question we should be asking, Jeff, is 
can taxpayers and the government keep pace with Social Security if yeah. they keep raising the cola at nine percent per year? Because you know it was already kind of broken. This is gonna this is gonna run forward probably two or three years the breaking of Social Security. So I would look shortly after the first of this next year. I would look for them to start talking about Social Security a lot because they're gonna see that this is a burning issue. And especially if we get Republicans in, which I think we probably will, they're gonna be really concerned about seniors right. and people on fixed income and they're going to have to tackle this problem and it is no small problem to tackle i mean we're talking you know double digit trillions of dollars in the hole so that's that's a big problem yeah and jake uh, i mean social security was expected to run out of money somewhere around 2035 before all this happened so as you said that could push that up quite a bit you know 2032 2031 something like that Mm -hmm. i do not think that social security will go unbroken there will be some fixes but it could be a little bit painful so you know let's get through this right now with inflation and then uh, see how we're going to fix social security but these are some huge problems and as you mentioned you know for those people who get pensions first of all if you have a pension, I think you're lucky. And then if you have a pension with a COLA, I think you were double lucky. But let's talk yeah. about some of the other sources of income that people may have. There are still people out there have money markets and CDs, aren't there? No doubt about it. And I will tell you, you know, I mean, people looking for safety right now, and, and rightfully so, in many cases, are going out and picking up 1%, 1.2, maybe some 1.5% CDs. And the problem is, you know, if you need 5% of your nest egg that you've saved over the years, in a normal situation, here we are, you know, with inflation now. And so you may need, you know, another 10% on top of that five. So you need five and a half percent income stream this next year that you, where you needed five last year. Not to mention the fact that now you're only earning 1.2%. I mean, you can dig a pretty big hole pretty quickly. And if you have a rental property, I heard this, that for some people, inflation is good. If you have a rental property, for example, that you have a fixed rate mortgage, for you, inflation is good because you can raise rents on that, more profit, but you don't have to pay as much. So that is something to consider if you are a rental property owner. Now, if you're a person who rents, that is not a good situation because I have heard, gentlemen, that rents across the country on average, at least in major cities and in some media market cities too, and even some small market cities are up as much as 25 and 30 percent. What is that going to do to uh, people's ability to put food on the table and, and of course, keep a roof over their head? Yeah, so I think it's it's an unsustainable increase, much like the rest of inflation. I do think that the next two years or so are going to be maybe the best time ever to be a landlord. But following that two-year period is going to be one of the worst times ever to be a landlord because what will happen is housing will come back to earth, interest rates will come back down after we crash this thing, and you know there will be a time, a shorter period of time, but a, a short period of time where there's going to be low interest rates and low house pricing and people will be mass exiting these rental situations. But for the time being, they have a captive audience. They have fish in a barrel that they're shooting. I think there's also, though, short term here going to be some consolidation. And what I mean by that is I think there will be people that will say, you know what, I just can't afford this anymore. I need a roommate. Mm -hmm. And so some of this may actually backfire a little bit if they raise rates too much. People are just going to have to cohabitate. And we see this around the globe. I mean, America is one of the only places that we still get to spread out and do all the things that we do here, you know. And uh, And so the rest of the world kind of looks at us like, boy, those those guys are – What's wrong with them? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
I was going to say, heaven knows the millennials have no problem rooming together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, sometimes they like to stay home with their parents, as a matter of fact, to save a little money there. Yeah, you know, I, I did notice that when I lived in New York City for a while. You know, I'd walk up and down the streets there, and it was very common for immigrant families to come to this country and live the way that they did in their countries. You know, uh, mom and dad had an apartment or, you know, some place that they owned like that, and the kids lived with them, but then the extended family members, the grandparents lived with them, the, you know, the aunts and the uncles and so forth, and they all lived in this one place, and many times they had a business that was down below that, so it was just a different standard of uh, living, and I don't know that it's ever going to go to that in this country, but uh, certainly it seems like we're headed that direction. We're talking about whether or not your income sources increase with inflation with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group. If your income sources do not increase with inflation, what are your alternatives, Randy and Jake? I mean, should you pull money from a 401k even if it means a penalty? Well, you know, I, I would say this. There are ways to get money from a 401k if you're under 59 and a half and you need to access it. The one thing that I would say, and this and this is not going to sit well with some people, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's plenty of places to go get an extra job for a while if you have to. Are you kidding? <laughs> and I know that's a job. Oh my <laughs> well, gosh! Well, interesting. <laughs> uh, earlier this week, we had some people we were sitting with, yeah, who had retired. Mm-hmm. And here's what's kind of interesting, and this is happening across the country. In fact, there's an employment agency doing this very thing. They're going out, reaching out to people that retired yeah. during the pandemic, and they're saying, "Hey, would you come back to work part time?" You can write your own schedule. We'll pay you X. And that's how they're filling some of these employment gaps. And here's the thing. This couple said, you know what? We're not, because we went back to work and we're working part-time and really are kind of happy to do it, we're not going to have to tap our uh, savings for a while now. And uh, so for them, this is a time to where, okay, you know what? We can weather this storm and we'll wait for things to get good again. And then we'll go out on the other side of this and we're going to have a big rally and people are going to get well. But they're not out here spending a depleted dollar right now. So I would say in many cases, and people aren't going to like to hear this, you know, we need to do one of two things to combat inflation. Number one, tighten our belt which will kind of help speed the process if we do that because it will slow down the spending, slow down mm-hmm. the drain on the supply chain, and also be a part of the solution if you can. Now, there's obviously people with health conditions that think where they can't, and I'm not trying to beat anybody up. Right. But I'm saying if you can, let's be a solution to the problem, and that is maybe do some part-time work and help yourself to be sure that you're going to be able to survive it and your family will in you know in a good way. And I think there's plenty of employment opportunity to do that for a lot of people. Yeah, and I was being a little silly there talking about having a job is, uh, you know, a bad thing. But, you know, when I look at older people and I go in places and, you know, they may wait on me or they may be a customer service assistant or something like that, I find that they're, I don't know, maybe a little better at what they do than a younger person. Is it just me? But it seems like there's a different work ethic. I think that really older people with experience are very valuable to people who have jobs. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I just think that experience and, you know, also, I, you, I guess, you, like you said, the work ethic thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just how they view service of the customer. You know, today I often tell people, you know, well, we have to get on with the customer abuse department. That used to be the customer <laughs> service department. But today it seems like all the companies just want to provide enough service to where they just don't quite make you mad enough to leave. Well, yeah. the people on the phone act like you're inconveniencing them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they should be thanking us for your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find, too, that older people can actually count. But I, I don't know if you have expressed. <laughs> I mean, that's just one of my pet peeves when I give somebody, you know, if it's, you know, 1990. 
seven and you give somebody twenty dollars and seven cents, they're you know a younger person. They're you know smoke starts coming out of their ears and they don't know what to do with something like that. I, I don't know. Have you experienced that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that honestly, that's really scary. That, it is. You know, like you said, let's say the bill's fifteen oh seven. You give them twenty oh seven. I mean, a five year old should be able to do that. Oh yeah, and, and and we're seeing twenty-one year olds, you know, that are. And, I mean, even even some of them have, you know, a couple of years in college, and they still can't do it. I don't it's understand. Like, how, how do you how do you get graduated? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I've wondered how you could get out of school, and I, you know, you give them a nickel and three pennies, and you see them pointing or touching each one, trying to figure out how much that is. You know, a nickel and three pennies is eight cents. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, and uh, we're talking about whether or not your income sources increase with inflation. Certainly one of the ways that you can keep up with inflation is to have yourself a plan and a plan that will account for things costing more and increasing income. If you don't have a plan, you would like to sit down with Randy and Jake and uh, talk about getting a plan. Maybe you've got a plan from someplace else and you want a second opinion. Again, it's not going to cost you anything. No cost, no obligation. To get your plan, call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com it's floydfinancialgroup.com get your plan today you're listening to show me the money with randy and jake we'll take a quick break be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 fm ksgf where springfield comes to talk ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how good because it's time for more show me the money with your financial sherpa randy floyd Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd along with Jake. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about uh, when was the last time you had a financial review? Yeah, I'm not talking about just a financial review from an advisor like that, but also just a personal financial review. It is very good, I think, every once in a while to just figure out how much you uh, spend, how much you're saving, how much you're earning, all those sort of things. And I'm surprised at the number of people who have no idea how much it costs to live. Do you run into that ever, Randy and Jake, when people come in and you really crunch the numbers that they're very surprised at how much it actually costs them to live? Yeah, I think that happens quite often. One thing I would say is I think one of the important things to review is if I keep doing what I'm doing now, where does that put me at retirement age? Right. You know, so if you're 45 or 55 or whatever and you want to retire at 65, a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, I, I fund six or eight percent in my 401k, I get a three percent match, and that's just kind of what I do. I've never really thought about whether or not that's going to get me to where I want to go. And I think that that's huge. And I, and I would say most people have never done that, really put the pencil to the paper. You know, we do have a handful of people that, that walk in and they have a, a budget on a, a spreadsheet and hand it to us when they walk in, which right. is pretty rare, though. I mean, probably one in 20 at, at the very most. Well, I think what that speaks to you guys is how successful we've been as Americans and how honestly kind of spoiled we've been. And so accidentally this is, successful. This is kind of a yeah. kind of a wake up call, you know, with this inflation and, uh, that we're seeing in things. But it, it is true. We, we've been very successful. We've been able to raise families. We've put them through college, you know, and we've gotten pay raises over our lifetime. And so, you know, we've just never really had to sit down and format a budget, especially the empty nesters. You know, you keep getting more money and you have to have less expenses. Maybe you pay off a house. Maybe you pay off all your debt that you've acquired while raising your kids. 
So, you know, it's a it's a fair thing to say, well, you know, I didn't really have to, so why would I? And so also the other thing I would say is, you know, over the last 20 years, I mean, if you look back over our shoulder, used to be people would stay with a job 10 years, 15 years, and way back before that, even 30 and 40 years. And we still see some of that where people come and they've been with the same company for 40 years. It's maybe the only job they ever had. Right. In today's world, though, we've moved around a lot. It's been a necessity to do that in many cases, uh, to change cities and all that. So we have uh, my wife's 401k from two companies before. I have mine from a company before. I have my current one. You know, we had an IRA that we haven't looked at in a while. We've been just, just been funding our 401k. Uh, we got, you know, bank balances. I mean, we have people that don't reconcile their checkbooks, so they haven't for a long time. Hmm. I know one lady who's 82. She hasn't reconciled her checkbook in 20 years. What, what's a checkbook? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's a checkbook? Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't think I've so, written, joking, written a check. Check in 20 years. Joking. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's all those things. Yeah. And we, you know, we think, okay, we're all right. It's kind of like getting an estate plan. Well, you know, everything will be all right. Well, it's good to really sit down and know that it's going to be all right, not just think that it's going to be all right, right? Especially for some of the younger listeners out there, I would say that what you do now, if you're if you're listening to this and you're 20 to 40, what you do now has a massive, massive influence on what happens to your stockpile of money over your lifetime. You know, an extra few hundred dollars here will turn into several thousand over your lifetime, especially early on. It's really important. If you, if you, can, if you can stomach save it an extra 50 or 100 bucks, yeah. do it. You, you will not be sorry. I was talking to a 24-year-old yesterday, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had called up and said, hey, you know, I really want to get on the right track. And the first thing I told her was, good for you. You're yeah. starting early. And here's the thing. You know, you've heard the old saying, you know, time and money, right? Right. Man, there is nothing, nothing that takes the place of time with a little money in compound interest. I would say, too, Jeff, that as a rule, this this really speaks to some of the psychology of this, is the people that are most worried about whether they're saving enough are the ones that have saved the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the people that are not worried about it are the ones that should be. So if you're listening to this and you're really concerned about how much you have saved, you're probably in decent shape. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm good, call up here and talk to Ashley and we'll schedule you. Get on the, yeah, because, we'll find because out. Because I'm just telling you, it, it's going to take a lot of money to live yeah. 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And you know, even though we don't think inflation is going to run super hot for a long time, it still will be you know twice as much to live 20 years from now if not more than it is right now. We're talking about when was the last time you reviewed your finances with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. It's not just about income and outgo, but there's so much more in terms of finances that you really should review, not the least of which is your long-term tax minimization strategy. Gentlemen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're young and you're just starting your career and things, you don't have much of a tax issue, right? Right. But as you start to make more money and more money, you know, the problem we have right now or the the conundrum that we sometimes see is people say, well, should I fund my 401k with pre-tax dollars so that I get the tax break today? Or should I fund a Roth 401k or IRA so that I get the tax break on the other side? I would say this, you know, it's a great question and we have that question all the time. But if you are under 50, I'm telling you for sure, you need to seriously think about funding everything into a Roth. Now, let me say this. If you are a really high income earner, that may not always be the case. So what we have to look at, you know, is what is our income today and what's the taxation? Am I am I maxed out at, you know, 42% with the Fed and the state? 
or, you know, where am I sitting right now? So it's a conversation that should be had with everybody is, you know, how are we funding now? And it may be that what would happen is you may want to fund now a Roth IRA and later it might make more sense if you're making tons of money to fund a little bit into both later or maybe go to where you're totally tax deferred. My brother-in-law that I helped retire a long time ago, he didn't really have much money. He'd made lots of money, but he didn't really have any much much money saved until later in life due to some circumstances that were beyond his control. So in the end, when he was making great, great money and he was a, a doctor, we ended up letting the federal government fund $1 million of his retirement in tax savings. Hmm. So, you know, when you start looking at situations like that, if you are 50 and under, I would say we need to look at the benefits of the Roth. If you're 50 and older, maybe up to between 50 and 55, we need to say, okay, it might make sense for you to convert some of your IRA or your 401k dollars today into Roth. It may not be the whole amount, but it might make sense uh, to do some bracket bumping. And that is just take ourselves right up against the next tax bracket, but not go into the next one. And let's roll some of that money and convert it to where we can have some tax-free income later. And also, if you're a really high income earner, there are some very unique strategies we can use to really sock away a lot of money that's tax deductible to you and really save you a lot of money in taxes. So I mean if you if you're you know if you're making 2 3 400,000 or some people probably listen to this show are making more like a million plus. There are some people out there doing mm-hmm. that. If that's the case and you're not taking advantage of some of these strategies tax-wise, you really should take a look at it because you know you can you can save yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. Yeah, and tax minimization strategies, one of the most important things that you need to review on an annual basis, if not more frequently than that, because we know that tax season just isn't from uh, about middle of January to the middle of April. Tax season is all year long, so very, very important. Another thing that you want to review in terms of your finances is your investment strategy. How often should you revisit your investment strategy and sort of reevaluate what you're doing? I would say if you're if you're under 55, probably once every three to five years is probably enough. As you get close to the red zone, that last five years before retirement, you really need to be looking at at least once a year, maybe even a little more often than that, um, especially in an environment like this a right or wrong decision now could have a massive impact if you're planning to retire in the next couple of years, just because this this market is so unpredictable and there's so much potential for loss right now. I would throw this in there too as well, Jake, you're right. I mean, the younger you are, the less you have to check it, but you have to be sure that you're positioned right for the time frame. Because, you know, the last 40 years prior to, to COVID, like through uh, 2020, you know, bonds were a decent investment even for some younger people because we got decent interest or, you know, dividends or coupon rates. And we also had appreciation in the bond market. Now the tables have turned. So it's really important that you do get some education so that you understand equities versus bonds, you know, fixed income versus bonds and the, or versus equities and really know how that plays out inside a portfolio for the times that we're in and be able to look at the road signs and see when those times are changing next time. And the next thing that you want to evaluate on a regular basis, I think, gentlemen, and it's not easy for a lot of people to talk about, but that is your estate plan. Who's going to get your stuff and how do they get your stuff and who's going to decide what happens to your stuff? Uh, What should people be evaluating on a regular basis insofar as their estate plan? What should they really be looking at? Well, here's the thing, you know, we all think, I mean, you know, Jeff, we all think we have lots of time, right? Right. 
We all think that, you know, we've been here 50 years on the planet, 55 years on the planet, you know, 30 years on the planet, whatever it is, and you're not planning on going anywhere. I will just tell you that, you know, it's kind of like the Bible says, today is the day of salvation, Mm -hmm. and today is the day you ought to start your estate plan, because we just don't know. Earlier this year, we had a relative of ours at 29 pass Mm. away. I mean, nobody expects that. And, you know, and we have people all the time that come down with unexpected diseases and things that that take their life. And, And sometimes if you're not planned, I mean, there's no time to go do that planning now. And then what we have is we have this situation called probate for passing your stuff. And probate, or maybe you died what's called intestate if you don't have a will or anything. And that means that basically the court system determines who gets what and in what allotments. And that may not be what you want. So I would say that when we start thinking uh, about estate planning, even if you're a youngster, you need to start have some very basic documents. You need to have a will if you own a house, at least a beneficiary deed on your property, and you need to have powers of attorney for finance to really, really be sure that if your spouse needs to, they can act on your behalf if they need to get to some of your 401k or retirement money, that sort of thing. But really, if you are, you know, 55, 60 and beyond there, there are some very valuable tools that can be built into estate plans to help protect you against the cost of long-term care, potentially, to help protect your estate against probate if something happens. Uh, Also, you know, if you have a second marriage and that sort of thing, we got your kids and my kids, you know, everybody wants to make sure everybody's treated fairly. There's uh, inside a trust document, you can make sure all that stuff happens. So, you know, an estate plan, people say, well, I don't have an estate. Everybody has an estate. It may not be very big now, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. If you aren't careful, you'll be 80 and not have an estate plan, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, And I know there in your office that Leisha Siri is there to help people out with estate plans. Also, Elizabeth, is that part of the uh, regular plan that you do for people is uh, putting together an estate plan? Well, here's what I will say. We are always... We always ask, have you done any estate planning? Because number one, it's twofold for us. Number one, we want to know if they've thought about, you know, who gets what and make sure that their beneficiaries get treated fairly. But secondly, we need to know if we end up doing business with that client, we need to know, do you have a trust or not? Because sometimes we make trust owner of certain things. uh, We make the trust beneficiary of certain things. And uh, all the different asset classes that people have, we set those things up differently depending on what the asset is. So yeah, it's something we always talk about. I won't say it's always a part of the end game, but we want to make sure people are prepared and have an estate plan. So it is something we always talk about. Now, if they have an attorney they've been dealing with, great, no big deal, no pressure here from us at all. But uh, it is something that we will talk about in every case because it's really important. Randy, as you said, some people have small estates, some people have large estates. When do you know, this is a question that we get quite frequently, when do you know that a will will not do and you need a trust? Well, a will generally is just instructions to the probate court. So we don't, if you don't want to go to probate, you know, you probably need something more than a will. And so let me tell you about probate. In the state of Missouri, probate is about an eight-month affair, best you can do, and all the assets are frozen while probate proceedings are happening. And I will tell you this much, I know this to be true, it's really hard to find a good probate attorney or even get probate done in a timely fashion. It also opens you up to all kinds of random claims against your estate. There's a whole business out there that people 
people have done because, you know, probate proceedings, guess what? It's always published in the paper, right? Right. And so creditors that are, whether they're real or not, can come out of the woodwork and try to file against your claim. I think your, business might be a might be a stretch. Scam might be more like it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I mean, I think to answer your question, maybe a little more directly, Jeff, I think monetarily speaking, so convenience and inconvenience and just pain of the situation aside, if you've got a hundred thousand dollars or more, it'll probably save you money. And that's including your home and all that. It'll probably save you money to have a trust, assuming you don't get price gouged on the trust. And for those people who have less than that, I think that the basics include a simple will, a POD, pay on death at the bank, durable power of attorney, health care directive, that sort of thing. But again, your individual situation may vary. Best uh, yeah. thing for you to do is to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group and talk about your estate plan. We've been talking about reviewing your finances. We talked about tax minimization, investment strategy. And in the end there, we talked about your estate plan. But again, your results may vary as they say in the commercials on TV and on the radio. So to get the specific answers that are right for you, because this is just an informational show, we really can't give you advice that is right for you. You need to sit down with Randy and Jake there across the table one-to-one and ask your specific questions. To get your retirement roadmap, your investment strategy, your plan, if you will, call 417-889-7233. Now, it won't cost you anything. All you've got to do is uh, sit and ask your questions, and there's not going to be any sort of judgment here on Randy and Jake's part. They're just really nice people who want to help you. 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary consultation by going to floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this, right here at 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd along with Jake. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about gold. And people say on the radio all the time, you need to protect your retirement savings now against inflation with gold. Fact or fiction? That's right. And, you know, William Devane, God bless him. He's like 80 years old, but he does need a job. And he's on TV talking about gold, along with a lot of other people as well, too. Everybody's talking about inflation, and you often hear gold suggested as a solution to protect your wealth from inflation. But is that fact or is that fiction? So... I think to answer that question, Jeff, we have to address a couple of things. I think if we were going to have inflation run like it is in Turkey or Germany, where uh, if the United States was going to experience you know, ongoing 20 to 70% inflation, then yes, gold would be a great, a great place to go. The problem is, is that everything that we do to counteract inflation really hurts gold's price a lot. And so as we raise interest rates and as we reduce our balance sheet, which we've talked about before, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that. As we do all these things to tighten policy and to reduce the money supply, all those things are going to hurt gold a lot. So people talk about gold as, you know, they say, hey, is gold, can it protect me against, you know, market downturns? Well, if you look at 2008, you know, gold was down 40 plus percent. You look at even 2020 over that bad month that we had, silver was down 50 percent over that period. Now, 
on the back side, there will be a very good buying opportunity. But is it going to protect you from inflation? Probably not because of what policy the uh, that Congress and the Fed will take to counteract inflation. So there's a lot more potential downside in gold than there is upside at this exact juncture. Now, all that being said, one of the things I've been saying for the last couple of years is that gold cannot go higher while cryptocurrency is intact. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that cryptocurrency is no longer intact. And so I think that prior to the last eight months or so, a lot of the money that would normally have gone to gold during all that inflationary environment and money printing went to cryptocurrency and NFTs instead. The faith is kind of shaken there. And, and if people have been watching the news the last few weeks, they'd known that there's a couple of these stable coins that have just totally blown up and gone away that were supposed to be perfectly safe and, and tied to the dollar. Like a couple of them went to zero, not like went down a little bit. And so I think that on the back side, of this, we might see gold make up for lost time, but I think that it may go down 30 or 40% before that happens. Well, cryptocurrency is certainly another conversation, but talking about gold, I think that people may have gold for a couple of different reasons, one of which is that they think that gold is going to outperform the market. And the second is that if these are the end of times, they've got gold and they'll be in a better situation. So let's tackle the first. Over the past 20, 30 years or so, how has gold performed as opposed to the market? All right. That's a good, that's a really great question, Jeff, especially because I was going to go there anyway if you didn't. <laughs> okay. So here's the, here's the long, long and the short of that. If you had in 1982 invested your money in gold, you would have about six times what you started with. Mm -hmm. So that's over 40 years. So 1982 to 2022. If you had invested your money in a 6% fixed interest account, if you could have gotten one that would just run 6% for those 40 years, you would be eight times what you started with. Mm. And if you'd invested your money in the S&P 500, you'd have had 40, four zero (laughs) times your money. So... You know, everybody has an axe to grind on the radio, right? Right. (laughs) Maybe not us. We're trying to be transparent. We try to be full disclosure on everything that we talk about here. Can gold be a good investment? Yes. Does it pay a dividend? No. No. How do you make it work for you? You got to know when to buy it. You got to know when to sell it every time. You know, can you get a flat 6% interest for 40 years from anybody? No. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you really look at it and you look back historically, the market has always outreturned everything. And if you want an inflation protector, the market or something linked to the market has been the best way to do that always. Now, as interest rates start to go up, you know, there may be a point in time in the future when banks will pay a decent interest rate again. People sometimes are thinking that 5 and 6% CDs are coming back. I don't think those days are coming back. I do think that the market will continue to really be the big player. It's how business gets done. You know, If you've got a small, profitable company uh, and you get this idea that you want to grow and expand it and you take it to an investment banker and they generate interest and they say, hey, this thing has legs to work. We go out, we do an initial public offering, people buy into that, then we trade it on the secondary market. So the secondary market is what we watch every Every day, and the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, the S&P, the Russell, whatever you're watching out there, Mm -hmm. that's the secondary market. And business gets done that way, and business will always get 
it, we have to be able to raise capital. And you know, the term investment, a lot of people get confused. Investment is where I give people money and they manage it and give me a return. That's how investment works. And so, uh, because you know, Jeff, I can't run 40 businesses. Yeah. But I can be involved through the stock market in the profitability of 40 businesses or more, whatever number I want. So the public markets and the stock market will always be here, and it will always be a way to get business done. But just looking back over the last 40 years, we've had stock market up, down, up, down. We've had bear markets. We've had wars, rumors of war, depression, recession. I mean, we've had it all. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it outperforms many times uh, anything else. We're talking about whether or not gold can protect you from inflation with Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group. So as an investment necessarily, gold has been okay, but it has not nearly performed as well as the market over the long term, as you said, even considering the ups and the downs and the sideways of the market over the past 30, 40 years. Let's talk a little bit about gold in the end of times. I mean, people say, well, you know, I'm going to have some gold and you're not going to have any money. But as you've said before, and I want you to repeat that again, I mean, there are other things I'd rather have than gold if these are the ends of times. Right. So one thing I want to say before we move on and answer that question, I want people to know we're not about taking everybody's money and just throwing it wildly into the market and say, hang on for the ride. It's going to be great, Lulu. I mean, no, we're not, you know, we're not going to do that. In fact, we're in a very defensive position Exactly. Right now. We're in, in a fact, very our defensive. average person probably has 50% of their money in cash yeah. because mm-hmm. we know this thing is not over. So yeah, we don't want to portray that, that the market is just the be all end all. Yeah, we like to use the proper tool for the proper time. And there's all the tools are, are good. Real estate, bonds, gold can be a good tool sometimes. Silver can be a good tool sometimes. You know, real estate, whatever it is. But I wanted to make that clear to people before we move on to this to this next question. The question was if, you know, some people say, well, you know, the end of times is here. I've got gold. And if the market goes down, everybody's going to be, you know, poor and oh, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. going to have any money. Yeah. But I've got some gold. But I think there are probably some other things that I'd rather have if the end of times are on their way than gold. Yeah. Yeah. If the end of time is coming in the apocalypse or that cataclysmic or catastrophic event that people sometimes are looking for come along, I don't think gold is going to be what you're going to want to have. You can't eat it. It doesn't fertilize the ground so you can grow something. I think that people are going to be in the barter mode. We'll go back and people will have to learn how to raise crops and you'll have tomatoes and I got watermelon or, you know, whatever the deal is and we'll trade. Mm -hmm. In the, in the apocalypse, here's what you want. You want non-perishable foods. You want ammunition, right? Right. And you want things that, that are going to help sustain you. You know, fuel will be another one. Right. Uh, diesel and gasoline, you know, those are the things that that are going to have value. You know, a shiny a shiny metal is going to be nearly worthless in that type of situation. Now, again, I don't think that we're there yet. No, um, I know probably some of our listeners do think that. Right. And, and I'm not saying we're not. I'm just saying my personal opinion is we're not we're not there yet. But in that situation, yeah, gold is not going to be the uh, the salvation. I can promise you that. Well, gold is also not that liquid. I mean, there are fees with buying and selling gold. I mean, if uh, gold is a certain price, by the time you sell that gold, the broker is going to take their uh, fee. And when you buy it, there's a fee as well, too. That is another thing that you should consider if you're getting into gold, right? 
Absolutely. You know, I think the other thing is, you know, if you have physical gold and you have it in bars or whatever you have, I mean, what are you going to do? Take it over to come and go and scrape off a little? (laughs) Cross the street, the gas station there? You can't do that. Yeah, I don't don't think that works. Right. But again, I I just don't (laughs) think it's practical that that's going to be the the be-all, end-all, you know, if things really, really get tough. And and I also want to say this to people, too. You know, we're going to get through this. This is a hard time right now. And I know that sometimes just the unknown is the the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things that we hear uh, that's you know the four worst words in, in investing is is this time it's different. Yeah. And I will assure you that it's not really that different. We've been through this before. We did this in the eighties. Mm-hmm. We survived it, and we did well, and we've grown our country, we've grown our business, yep. we've grown our wealth, and we will do it again. It's not time to throw in the towel yet. That is a very good and very optimistic way to close the program today. I want people to remember that we have been through this. We will get through this as well, too. The takeaway is to just have a plan. If you do not have a plan, I urge you, implore you, this weekend, go to floydfinancialgroup.com, get on the calendar, request your plan. It's not going to cost you a dime. It won't cost you anything. And Randy and Jake are not going to judge you whatsoever. Why wouldn't you take advantage of this opportunity to sit down, get your questions, questions answered to position yourself in a better place to withstand anything that might come our way. Once again, go to floydfinancialgroup.com, request your retirement plan, no cost and no obligation, or you can call 417-889-7233. It's Memorial Day weekend. Have a great, safe weekend. And thank you so much for being a part of our radio program with Randy and Jake. My name is Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104. 4.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.